Okay. So do this real quick. Actually, would you like to do it? Yes. You hold it, and then you bring this up, and then bring it back down. Hi, boys. Hi. Hi. Hi, Zachary. Hi. How are you? Good. Zachary, what does family mean to you? That you're all together. Kindness. Loving people. Loving people. Yeah. Around what else? you. Around you. Family is about supporting each other. Through the thick and thin. Family means you're not apart from yourself. Family is is agape love, unconditional love that knows no bounds, and it's it's evidence of God's love for His family and His church. What does family mean to you, Austin? Um, it feels like home. Family. Hanging out with each other. Hanging out with each other. I love that. I guess here at North Shore, we've got a lot of that uh, kind of family too, through the young adults ministry, and then even through student the ministry. Ministries. Like, a lot of the times we get together with people outside of church and we're able to just do life together. And Family goes a little bit beyond your wife, your children alone, but the people of God, the church, where you belong, because that's it, the larger family where you belong, you know? I haven't had much of a family most of my life. My wife's family has been pretty much it. They've really taken care of me just as if I was their own son, and I really appreciate that. Miss Michelle, what does family mean to you? You know what, Olatunde, I'm so glad that you asked me. It's love, it's respect, it's being there for one another, and it's just being in the moment with them. Good job, high five, girls. Zachary, high five. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, guys. That was so good. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> That's funny. Say bye-bye. I love that bumper. <laughs> I think we should always have that here. Welcome, North Shore. How are you doing? What happened to our summer? <laughs> it just disappeared, didn't it? That's, uh, that's what we get, being in the Northwest. Well, summer is not over yet. As you know, this is uh, family month. Uh, we define that by the word ohana, which means family in, well, in Lilo and Stitch, right? No, in, in Hawaiian, actually. They stole it <coughs> from them. But uh, last week, as you know, uh, Pastor Damien spoke on honor and honoring, uh, as you know, especially children, honoring their parents and then how um, parents are supposed to respond as well. And he also uh, told the story about Jesus. Remember when he was a young boy and he stayed behind when his parents left town and continued to teach in the synagogue. And, of course, his parents, once they realized that he was no longer with them. They came back and they searched for him, right, for a couple of days. And that reminds me of when our son Jordan, who's now 22, was two. We were in Colorado at a conference at a big concert in a park. There was a couple thousand people there, and it was very noisy and very crowded. And we had our two-year-old right here, and then he wasn't here. And I remember my wife just jumping up and shouting at the top of her lungs, blonde hair, blue shirt, blonde hair, blue shirt. And thankfully, about, you know, seven, eight rows up, someone said, here he is, right here. He wanted to go up and meet the band. So, very cool, right? But there's that, 
if you're a parent, there's that sense of, oh my goodness, like it's not a good feeling at all, right? Today we're going to talk about loyalty and how it's lived out in faithfulness. John 15, 13 reminds us that greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. Before we get started, let's pray. Jesus, uh, as I've looked at this word loyalty, um, there's so much that's interconnected with it through faithfulness and through uh, your loving kindness, has said, and so many other things, Lord. Um, but I thank you that, that you've been loyal to us. You've been faithful to us. And many of us could stand here and spend the rest of the afternoon giving testimony to how you've been loyal and how you've been faithful and how you've loved us with an everlasting love. And so, God, we are so grateful for that. And I pray that through this story that we talk about today in your word, you would also show us how we can be loyal and faithful to one another. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what exactly is loyalty? I, I think I have a, a good picture of that. If we could have that up on the screen. It's a Two people that you're probably very familiar with. Well, I'm looking. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, come on. Let's go. This is the only screen working. Just so I know. Pooh and Piglet. How many people love Pooh and Piglet, right? The whole Winnie the Pooh deal, right? I mean, to me, this is the symbol of loyalty. Piglet sidled up to Pooh from behind. Pooh? He whispered, yes, Piglet. Nothing, said Piglet, taking Pooh's paw. I just wanted to be sure of you. That's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And if you know the you know, other adventures that they have, Pooh is this sort of naive, confident bear, and, and Piglet, well... He's afraid of everything. <laughs> but together, they are loyal. And they stick together and they go through adventures together, showing their love and support to one another. So what is loyalty? Let's take a look at a couple of definitions here. One is giving or showing firm and constant support or allegiance to a person or institution. Read that again. Giving or showing firm and constant support or allegiance to a person or institution. Another definition is unwavering in devotion to friend or vow or a cause. And obviously we see, saw that with Piglet and Pooh, an unwavering devotion. If, uh, if you guys need a Bible, we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel, the story of David and Jonathan, so our ushers can come forward and start handing those out. I'm going to talk about another word here, said. We actually talked about it back in November when we, when we preached on the book of Ruth, if you remember. Boaz describes Ruth, Ruth's kindness and her faithfulness, particularly towards Naomi, but also toward him, as said in Ruth 3.10. 
This is a notoriously difficult word to, to define, but it's, it's God's loving kindness. It, it describes the mercy and compassion of God, God's covenantal relationship with his people, which, of course, results in his loyal love and his faithfulness to them, even when his people are unfaithful to him. So loyalty is this, this allegiance, this devotion, this commitment, this covenant that we make. Faithfulness is how it's lived out. And somehow God's loving kindness and his loyal love allows us to do that with one another as well. It's a continuation of what he does in our hearts, right? Because of his great love for us, we can love one another, right? And it's kind of like uh, lunch meat, right? Have you guys ever bought that packaged lunch meat? You get it out, and you try to just take one piece. Have you ever done that? It's absolutely impossible because it's intertwined. Somehow that lunch meat, is, it's all connected in that package. It drives me nuts. Am I the only one? Maybe. But it's all connected. Loyalty, faithfulness, God's chesed. And today we're going to look at a story of how loyalty shows up in the Bible through a faithful friendship. The story of Jonathan and David. So if you were handed a Bible or you, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, etc., um, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. And we'll get started. My friends, this is a long story. It, it covers almost 12 chapters here. And, well, we'd be here a very long time if I went through every detail. So I'm not going to. But is anyone familiar with the story of David and Goliath? Okay, there's some hands. So, yes. So this story just ends. And Saul's like, who is this guy? And he asks one of his uh, People that's with him there, and the guy's like, I, I don't know. And so he calls and asks for him. He says, whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Beth Beth Bethlehemite. <laughs> and then it says in 18, verse 1, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan, who was Saul's son, was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Think about that. Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And so David uh, basically went to war with Saul and Things were good in the side of Saul's uh, servants. People were speaking well of him. And then in 19, 4 and 5, it says, And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul his father and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant David because he has not sinned against you and because his deeds have brought good to you. For he took his like in his hands and he struck down the Philistine and the Lord worked a great salvation for all Israel. And you saw it 
and you rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? Why did this happen? Well, it's because people started talking about David and his conquests. They actually started singing songs, and they said, this is back in 18, Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. And so Saul became very angry, and he became very jealous. And David played the lyre for him day by day, and, and Saul tried to pin him to the wall with a spear. So Saul was afraid of him, and he actually gave one of his daughters to David to marry her, but he did it with ill intentions. And so that's why Jonathan caught him at this point. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? My friends, there was no reason for Saul to do this except for the fact that he was jealous. David was innocent in his eyes, and Jonathan stood up for him. And you can see that. Was, that was difficult for Jonathan, right? I mean, this is his own father, but he calls out his own father's sin, and he says, don't do this. Look at what David's done. And my friends, I think there's a lesson here. Because we might want to be loyal to someone, like our own father in a sense, or maybe it's friends at school. And then they, they want to do something that, that's not right, and we know it's not right. And they're like, come on, we made this agreement, like we're in this together, we're friends, right? We, we've made that commitment to one another like Jonathan and David had made to one another. But sometimes there's a time when you have to stand apart and you have to say, no. No, I'm not going to follow them. I'm not going to follow that peer pressure. I'm not going to go in and do what they're asking me to do. Because it's not right. And sometimes we have to make that decision. So even in that loyalty, what I'm saying is not a blind loyalty, but a loyalty that's, that's built on trust and a loyalty that doesn't cause you to sin against your God. A lot of things happen here. And like I said, it's, it's over 10, 12 chapters. But Saul tries to kill David and he continues to go after him. And Jonathan warns David. See, he's loyal to David. And it's, it's a dilemma, right? Because he's also loyal to his own father. But his own father is crazy right now. And he's going after his friend David. He doesn't want that to happen. And it's a long-term commitment. We get to the bottom of 19, and it says, Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord shall be between me and you, and between my offspring and your offspring 
forever. And he rose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. You see, he was hiding out from Saul, and Jonathan came to him and again swore this covenant and that the Lord would be between each of them and between their offspring forever. My friends, loyalty is a long-term commitment. That's your first point there. But the second point is that it's also recognized when it's tested. And it was tested many, many times in this story. We can see even uh, a little bit prior in, in chapter 19. It says, for as long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, this is, this is Saul speaking because he's very angry. He sees that Jonathan has been protecting David. As long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Then Jonathan answered Saul, his father, why should he be put to death? What has he done? But Saul hurled his spear at him to strike him. So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. And Jonathan rose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had, had disgraced him. Loyalty is recognized when it is tested. And then the story continues. Chapter 22, David's in a cave. This kind of struck me. He's in a cave, and it says in verse 2, And everyone who is in distress, and everyone who is in debt, and everyone who is bitter in soul, gathered to him. And he became captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. I mean, can you imagine the 100-acre wood with 400 eors? That would be really difficult, wouldn't it? He's captain over these men. They're in debt. They're distressed. And they're bitter. And they're in the cave. And it's dark. And it's damp. Who would want to be in that? But David became their captain. It's, it's kind of like the land of the misfit toys, right? I mean, who here has ever heard of a Charlie in the box? Anyone? Thank you. I see that hand. Yes? Okay. Right. It's kind of like that. David goes through so much in this story, so much that we cannot read. But he's constantly being pursued by Saul, and he's constantly being bailed out and protected by Jonathan. Saul continues to seek revenge. Chapter 23, David saves a city from the Philistines, and he escapes from Saul again. And David and Jonathan deepen their loyalty and commitment to one another we're in 1 Samuel 23, 16 through 18. It says, David saw that 
Saul had come out to seek his life. Really? Once again? And David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horesh. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear. For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Again, you see Jonathan stepping in, strengthening David's hand in God. Just imagine the encouragement that's not spoken here. But then he says this, you shall be king over Israel. My friends, Jonathan was actually in line with the throne. But he made a choice. He made a choice to be loyal to his friend David. And if you remember, back in chapter 20, his own father said, As long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. My friends, he gave up the throne for the sake of his friendship with David, to protect David, to keep David safe. That is laying your life down for a friend, isn't it? That's as close as you can come, I think. So then what happens? Well, David's hanging out. He's hiding out. He's trying to stay away from Saul, right? So he hides out in a cave. Saul happens to, uh, to go into this cave, and he goes to the back of the cave, and it's very dark there. And Saul is so close to him. Excuse me. David is so close to Saul that he actually reaches out and cuts off a little bit of his garment, a little bit of his robe that he's wearing, right? Think about how close David was and think of how he had been delivered into David's hands, right? This man who was trying to kill him, now David had a chance. But he didn't. He didn't take Saul's life. In fact, he went out and he said, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage, yes, to the very king that had been chasing him, that had been threatening his life, he pays homage. And he does not come against the Lord's anointed. David spares Saul's life, and then Samuel dies, David picks another wife. David spares Saul's life again. <laughs> this time he actually sneaks into a camp and, and he steals a spear and a jar of water that's sitting right there at Saul's head. Again, someone with David says, you know, just let me run him through right now. He says, no, no, not to the Lord's anointed. So he adds that spear and jar to, uh, to Saul's close encounter collection, right? 
Then finally, in chapter 31, after so much has happened, the Philistines strike down Saul's sons, including Jonathan, and he dies. Saul is mortally wounded, and then he dies. But even that is not the rest of this story, and I'm going to come back to it right at the end. Third point, if you're taking notes, our loyalty to others is possible as God expresses his loyalty to us. It's something that we can do because God does it to us. He is loyal to us. He is faithful to us. He loves us, and that great love allows us to love others. That faithfulness and that loyalty that he gives to us allows us to do the same with others. And I wanted to share a couple of personal stories here um, as we begin to wrap things up. I want to show us a picture here of my friend, Troy. There we go. So those guys right there, uh, I don't know if you recognize that dapper dude in the black and white tank. Huh? That's me. I know. I know I look different, but to be 21 again, right? <clears throat> Forever 21. Um, so we called ourselves the doghouse. I'm living in California, going to Cal Poly Pomona. Doghouse, dog stood for dudes of God, of course, right? That's Troy on the right with, um, with the white T. He's now the campus pastor uh, and the assistant professor and an assistant professor at Northwest Christian University in Eugene, which is now called Bushnell University. That's today. But 35 years ago, my friends, Troy Dean and my heart and his heart were knit together in a really special friendship. And I could tell you so much about our friendship at that time, but suffice it to say, I joined a fraternity down there. I wanted to have a witness for Christ, and that was a really, really tough place to be a light for Jesus in this fraternity in particular. But my friend Troy joined that fraternity as well, and we stood together. And I remember times when everyone's singing a really awful song together and we're all in a circle and we're all staring at each other and we're all singing the, that song except for me and my friend Troy. But we're locked, our eyes are locked into one another because we're not going to compromise. We want to be loyal to the Lord and to one another. So we helped us through that. But I remember after two years saying goodbye to him because God was calling me back to the Northwest and we both just sat there and wept because we realized that our friendship was going to change dramatically. But before we did, we went to Catalina Island with some, some of our roommates and friends and, and I washed Troy's feet and then he washed mine. And he was in my wedding and I was in his wedding. Well, they decided to put some bird seed in our luggage and um, 
you know, kind of play a little bit of a prank there. And that was cool. So I thought, well, when he got married, I'll do the same. And I'll get all the groomsmen together. And, and, and I don't know, you guys, I don't know what happened. We got crazy. We, we probably had hundreds of pounds of birdseed. It was in everything. It was in the couch. It was on the floor. It was in the car. It was in the trunk. It was, it was in all the luggage. It was in the dryer. And they were not happy. <laughs> they went on their honeymoon, and every time they got out an outfit, it was like birdseed all over the place. I'm sure their whoever was cleaning the room was super happy with them. So they get home, and you guys, they are not happy with me at all. And I'm like, why? You guys did that to me? No, not to that extent. Oh, oh no. It, it, was, it was criminal, truly. And so I thought, how do I get out of this? I'll, I know what I'll do. I'll just write them a poem, right? The day the bird seed came to town. Huh? I thought it was great. He didn't. It was a struggle, my friends. But our, and our loyalty was tested at that time. But there was a bit of humility maybe on my part. And there was a lot of forgiveness on his part. And God worked. And our friendship has continued. And this picture here. I could not find it on my computer to save my life last week. So I call up Troy. I'm like, Troy, do you got that photo? And we spoke for an hour, and we caught up, and it was beautiful. And I realized all the reasons why we're still good friends to this day. And I believe that the more Troy and I experience God's loyalty to us in our own lives and in each other, the more God made it possible for us to be loyal to one another. I'm going to tell one more story. This is uh, people that you know. Bill and Marcy Bowker, Aiden and Andrew, right? They've been uh, family here and um, part of our church for a number of years. My wife Sam and I used to live on the same uh, road, Highland Road. We were two doors down from them for 12 years. My wife Sam was, was at the birth of both these boys, We've known them for a very, very long time. And their family has some challenges, and I could um, share a lot more, but let's hear from Bill and see what he has to say about this whole idea of loyalty and faithfulness, how he's experienced it in his journey with the boys and with God himself. Let's watch this. Hey, Bill. How's it going? Good. Good. As you know, uh, we've been talking this week or this weekend about um, the interplay between loyalty and faithfulness and how they're connected. You know, just as I was thinking about your family, um, I just would love to hear from you. Like, how have you seen loyalty and faithfulness played out in terms of the boys? So it's uh, usually back in about our kids in case uh, you haven't seen our family in, at church before. Um, so Marcy and I, my wife, have two boys, Aiden and Andrew. Aiden uh, is 18, just graduated high school uh, this last year, and then our younger son Andrew is 14. And both Aiden and Andrew have a genetic syndrome, uh, which has a lot of complications to it. Um, both boys are nonverbal, so they use uh, communication devices to let us know 
uh, what they're wanting or what they need, uh, they required uh, feeding through a G-tube. So we mix food up and then everything goes into a little port in their stomach. Um, and then, you know, general uh, hygiene things, it, the whole, we, we have to help them with basically most things in their life. So uh, very complicated and very time consuming um, with that. So knowing all the complications that the boys have, uh, Marcy and I have just had to take a long look at each other and decide this is what we're committed to. Um, and in kind of unlike many parents who have kids that when they get to be 18 or you know 20s and they go to college or they move out of the house, uh, our kids will probably be with us for their lifetime um, or our lifetime. I mean, they're they're going to require that care, and so. The loyalty piece is completely a necessity, uh, and we we have just made that commitment to them. Um, but thankfully, we have not uh, done this alone. Is that we've had so many people along the way who've helped us uh, when it comes to you know outside of our home. We have teachers at school, parent educators, um, people even at church who have helped us tremendously. We've had care providers at church, um, like Jeff and Shannon Enns, who watched our kids during our services, so Marcina can go into the service and listen. And um, Kelly, who is our care provider, who helps us at church, but also here in the house. Um, our friend Carla and her husband Rodney, and a, and a number of other people as well. And the commitment and the loyalty and faithfulness that they've shown our kids also uh, is I think a testament to how they feel in terms of our boys, they love them, but also I think because they have this really strong sense of loyalty to God because of what he's done for them as well. It's great to think about the greater community uh, and family really that's come alongside you in that journey as well. I guess my next and final question would be, um, you know, how have you personally seeing God's loyalty and faithfulness show up in, in terms of your journey with the boys. Yeah, so to be honest, uh, there's been many times when I thought that God had abandoned us. Um, raising our two kids with the challenges that they have, um, I can't tell you how many sleepless nights there have been, um, how many surgeries our kids have gone through, how many prayers that we've uh, offered up to God and seemingly, you know, the answer was no. And um, it was interesting, it was about seven years ago. Uh, it was kind of a culminating time. It was really difficult. And uh, I remember reading the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel and how these guys uh, basically were given an opportunity. They uh, Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king, he basically said that all the people needed to bow down and worship this idol that he created, and if they didn't, then they, then they would be thrown into a furnace. And, of course, these three decide that they're not going to go uh, bow down, and so Nebuchadnezzar confronts them and says, uh, who's going to save you now? Well, God will save you now. And the three of them uh, said our God is able uh, but even if he does not uh, we will not submit to your wishes uh, we're going to stay faithful to God so 
kids in the situation is that um, every day it feels like there's a little bit of furnace going on, um, but God has always provided. He's never left us. He's always provided us um, either just his peace or someone around us who has come alongside to help uh, carry the burden in some way, to help share the the responsibility of loyalty and faithfulness, um, because being loyal and faithful can retire you. So we need each other to help cure that. Absolutely. Thank you, Bill. Yeah. Really, really, really appreciate your heart and you sharing that. That's amazing. Wow. I love those guys. And I know many of you do as well, if you know them. Um, Bill's tattoo, you saw it on his arm, Daniel 3, 17 and 18. For, for if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not... We want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. What are they saying? They're saying they would rather die than serve other gods or worship this evil king. David recognized this as well. He was convinced that better is one day in God's presence than a thousand elsewhere. And one thing I'm taking away from my brother Bill's experiences is that sometimes God rescues us from the difficulties of life. But sometimes he meets us while we are in the middle of the fire. Loyalty is, is built on trust. It's not something we give to just anyone or anything. Will God show up even if we're in the furnace? My friends, we need to trust that he will and that he can rescue us even while we are in the middle of it. And his word says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. This is the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The same God who met the Israelites who were surely going to perish at the hands of the Egyptian army, right, that was bearing down on them, and they had a formidable sea in front of them, and yet God led them through on dry land that didn't even exist moments before. The same God who led them through the desert as a flame by night and a cloud by day, the same God who humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, 
even death on a cross. This same God whose loving kindness and loyalty and faithfulness to each one of us will never end. Amen. I told you I'd share the rest of the story. This is 2 Samuel chapter 9. I'm not going to read all of it, but just a few verses. David said, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Keep in mind, Jonathan had passed away some years before at this point. Verse 3, and the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. This is Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son. And then David says this to him in verse 7. Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. Think about that. He's going to restore all this land to him, and he shall always eat at David's table. That is a long-term commitment that he has made to his friend Jonathan, who's not even any longer with him. Why did David go to such lengths to show this kindness to Jonathan's son? Well, I'm sure Jonathan's words from 1 Samuel 20, 42 continued to remind him of that commitment that they'd made to one another. If you remember, the Lord shall be between me and you and between my offspring and your offspring forever. This was the same God whose loyalty and faithfulness had rescued his sheep, David's sheep, when he was a young shepherd, right, from from the lion and the, and the bear and the same God who gave him victory over this giant Goliath and kept him safe from all of Saul's murderous intentions that we talked about. The same God who made him king over Israel. After experiencing God's incredible favor and loyalty, is it any wonder that David extends the same loyalty and kindness to Jonathan's son. My friends, I'm going <clears> to <throat> bring up a couple questions here um, just for us to consider uh, before we leave and maybe even um, as we're leaving and for the rest of this week. Just keep, keep a few questions in mind here. First one, is there a relationship that you have where you have to renew your loyalty or faithfulness, or or a commitment you've made to someone? Is there a relationship that you've had, maybe even years ago, that you need to renew? Your loyalty, your faithfulness, your commitment that you've made. And what would that look like? Second question, who do you know at school? Someone at church or in your neighborhood, maybe at work. Someone that needs a good friend that you might be able to encourage, particularly this year. Just ask God to bring someone to your mind. And then make that effort next time you see them. To just come alongside them and be a good friend. Who knows?
what God might grow out of that. Let me go ahead and pray. Jesus, we're so, so incredibly grateful that you are loyal to us, that you are faithful to us, that you came and, and died on a cross, that you humbled yourself, even to the point of death for each and every one of us. God, thank you for the examples that we've heard this morning about friendship and commitment and what that looks like, particularly over the long haul and, and when it's being tested as well. And God, thank you for your loyalty and faithful to us, faithfulness to us. And I pray that you would help us to be loyal and faithful to one another as you've been faithful to us, Jesus. We're so grateful. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.